Very special guest, Wayne McFarland of Pro Football Focus. We're talking fantasy. He does, he's the utilization master, if I may <laughs> call him so, on today's program. Talking Kyler Murray contract, Kyler Murray fantasy prospect in 2022. A ton of other stuff to get into on today's Peacock and Williamson. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at the Peacock at Williamson NFL. And a very special guest. If you're watching on YouTube, you probably see him on the screen already. Dwayne McFarlane at Dwayne McFarlane. He is a pro football focus fantasy analyst. I called you in the intro, Dwayne. Utilization master. Is that okay? <laughs> That, that works like, okay. yeah, like it's almost like master of the universe. Yeah, or, yeah there you, you know, go. That's yeah. a better way of putting it. Master of utilization. Master of utilization. Right. Yeah. We, got, well <laughs> we got fantasy He-Man with us today. And, <laughs> and I know Matt Williamson has been excited to talk with you about some of the utilization around the league. We have to start this thing off, though, with Kyler Murray and the new massive contract he got. And he won ups Deshaun Watson with the $46.1 million per year instead of the $46 million that Deshaun Watson was getting. A ton of guarantees. Contract stuff aside, Dwayne, it seems as though, following your timeline on Twitter, that you are a fan of Kyler Murray as a fantasy prospect this year. And are you a fan of him as a, as a football player and a leader of the Arizona Cardinals to a playoff berth, or are you just all about the fantasy version of Kyler Murray? I think Kyler Murray is a quality quarterback. And, you know, we've seen over the last few years, like what, you know, running quarterbacks can also do, how they can add value to their teams. There's multiple ways, you know, to do it at quarterback these days. So, yeah, I think he's a good, you know, NFL quarterback as well, but I think he is a superb <laughs> fantasy quarterback. <laughs> I know you're extremely high on him. And, First off, I, I think a lot of you listeners on this podcast, Locked On Dynasty, my Steelers stuff I do for them, I often reference Dwayne these last couple of years. He's, he's kind of my new favorite last couple of years hitting the scene type of dude. And Dwayne, we talked about your utilization, you know, the master of the utilization. And just tell everyone a little bit what your process is. I think you have a really unique way of coming up with fantasy ranks. You know, things like snaps played, um, you know, usage as well as are they the goal line back? Are they the third down back? I mean, I, I just think you have a really unique and smart way of, of putting these guys into buckets. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so yeah, like my process, and we can come back and touch on Murray more, you know, yeah, if, you guys, yeah. if you guys want, but um, yeah, the process is pretty much, you know, at this time of year, once we're in season, like utilization really becomes everything, right? And in those first few weeks, we're trying to figure out like roles that maybe we weren't for sure about. But working for PFF, I get a lot of really cool data. Um, so like I can see which backs get the two-minute offense, which backs play. I mean, I can basically slice data any way I want. So who's the long down and distance back? Who's getting the carries inside the five? Who gets the short down and distance work? And so it's really huge for running backs, you know, because at running back, no other position is it more just about touches. At receiver, you can be out there and you can run all the routes you want, but if you're not good enough to get a target, if you are not, you know, good enough, you know, enough, you know, differentiated from your teammates who are getting a lot of targets, like there's a lot more variables going on. Um, you got an offensive line blocking for a quarterback. The quarterback has to see, you know, there's just so many more angles to a wide receiver where I think talent, um, it, talent matters for all positions, but for running backs, like volume is still like the biggest thing. Um, of course, like the trifecta we want is we want folks that we think are going to have 
all of those roles, right? We really want the passing downs in PPR. Um, we want the, the, the folks that are going to score the touchdowns. But if we can get that together with a really awesome talent profile, meaning a player uh, at running back, for example, I would be looking at missed tackles force per attempt. You know, I would be looking at yards after contact. I would be looking at explosive rush rate. We want these things that we know the, the running back is at least partially responsible for. So we're kind of trying to peel back the onion, right? Say, okay, is the player talented? Number one. Number two, what kind of role do we think they're going to have? Number three, what's the quality of the situation that they're in? Like, are they, are they on a team that we think is going to win 12 games or 10 games? You know, if you're on a team like that and you're the only back, like, Typically, teams that win score more touchdowns, right? So you've got a higher touchdown ceiling. Do you have a good quarterback? Quarterback is, you know, the biggest driver to wins in the NFL. So then I put all those things together, and that's how I come up with my ranks. Um, so like over on PFF right now, like if folks were to go in and check out my tiers, my quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, I actually put all this information into the tiers for you. So you can actually decide like if you're I rank them, you know, and I weight talent mm -hmm. the most at this point of the year. And then, you know, I grade all the other factors that I just talked about. And I kind of have a I, I have a formula that I use for it, but I show everything. I show the work. So if you're more of a talent person, you know, and you're like, I, you know, I don't care. I don't care if Dwayne thinks he's going to have the third down work or not. Like, I just want this back because I think he's awesome. Right. Like Javante Williams is a good example of that. We don't know for sure, like what's going to happen with Melvin Gordon. But Javante Williams, all of his underlying talent profile data tells us that he's an elite back. Like he could be potentially a Jonathan Taylor, a Nick Chubb level type of running back. And now he's on the Broncos with Russell Wilson as part of the mix. So if he does take over the backfield, like he could be a top three back. But we don't know if that's going to happen for sure. How much, what, what kind of role is Melvin Gordon going to have? So I parse all those things out. So if you want to weight it more towards talent, if you want to weight it more towards situation, you can. Um, you know, I give you the answer that I think is the right one, but you know, it, we're not always right on these things. Um, but I think those are the main factors. And if you can get them right. And what I try to do is tier players together based on those things. Um, so really you're looking for archetypes. Like here's a really talented player in a situation where we don't know for sure. Here are three really talented players where we for sure know their roles. Here are three players that we don't really think are that talented, but they're probably in line for all the work, you know? And so again, by position, you know, those things weighed out a little bit differently. So, Dwayne, something I, I can't help but bring up, because 20-some years ago, I was working for teams and basically doing scouting stuff. And we would have defined – my bosses would have castrated me if I defined talent by numbers. You know, like, it, it, we, he want to hear about ankle flexion and knee bend and hand placement and change of direction. I find bubble. it – Don't forget about bubble. The bubble. It's yeah, all the bubble. It. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, what's he, what's he look like in jeans? You know, the important stuff. <laughs> but I find it really fascinating that you define talent, and it really adds up with, you know, yards per route run, you know, explosive runs, all those things you cited. It's not just, I think this guy's flexible, but the dude next to me sitting there chewing his snuff doesn't. You know, I mean, you really have something to back it up with. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the PFF grades, you know, also help like, like, for mm -hmm. example, with, you know, running back, I don't take the overall PFF grade and use it in my process because it counts a lot of things that don't really matter for fantasy. Right. It's just more Path focused on, on, a, like on a football player. Right. And those things can matter because you want to be on the field. But sure. again, it comes back to the coach. Like, you know, some coaches. Um, they don't make their running backs stay in the block. So it doesn't matter if they can pass block. They want their running backs in routes all the time. You know, then there's other coaches. Well, if it's third and seven or more, like the back that's on the field, a lot of times will be a bigger back and they're going to stay out there. And it looks to a lot of people like, oh man, well, he's out there on third downs. Yeah, he's out on a third down that he's staying in the block. 
And guess right. what? Even if he goes into a route, yeah. he's not getting targeted because he's not far enough downfield to get the first down unless, you know, you've got, you know, some you have some check down type quarterbacks that will throw to him. But the other thing I do, so like for uh, running back, I will use PFF rush grade, right? And I will use their receiving grade and I use them separately because I'm really grading, you know, these players, um, you know, on their rushing ability and then on their ability as a receiver. And so we're looking for the, uh, the well-rounded folks, but I'm looking for the things that correlate more to fantasy points. Um, so for example, um, if you go back, you know, to 2011 and you look at all the rookie wide receivers that got at least an 80 PFF receiving grade, like it's a who's who's list of like some of the best receivers ever um, in, in the last 10 years. And then, What's cool about it is it identified people like Chris Godwin before they ever broke out. It, it said it said Hunter Renfro was going to be a really good player before he ever really got his opportunity. And so uh, so for something like that, like Amon Ross St. Brown, like is huge. Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, a lot of people, oh, well, he just got the targets last year at the end of the year because, you know, TJ Hawkinson hurt, De- DeAndre Swift wasn't out there. You know, now you had Jamison Williams. And that's true. Like we wouldn't expect sure. Amon Ross St. Brown to get 30% of the targets every game like he did last year you know, when he was basically a top five receiver over the last six games, he was winning fantasy leagues. But at the end of the day, if you're a receiver and the defense doesn't have to worry about anyone else but you, you kind of have to be good to get those targets. Right, you right. Can't, like your numbers you can't don't care who's on the field. Yeah. Right. And so it, it's those kind of things, you know, that I'm always trying to tease apart. But yeah, I do think we're at a spot where we've got a better idea of what, and I still watch all the games. I, I still watch the players too. Um, you know, and, and you're still looking, you know, at certain things, but I'm not, you know, you're probably a better scout. You're probably better at watching film than me as much as I've watched it. Um, I still trust the data more. I try to bring them sure. together, but like the data is just, and also data is just cleaner for me. I can iterate on my process, you know, every I single year and continue to learn. More with Dwayne McFarland coming up, some, some more specific players to talk about, maybe some of those athletic quarterbacks. Matt Williamson made a ton of waves with his fantasy football rankings for quarterbacks for the 2022 season. We'll get to all of that coming up, <clears throat> but I got to let the folks know about Built Bar, Coconut, Brownie Chunk Puffs, Toffee Almond, S'mores. We're talking about protein bars that taste amazing and that have 17 to 19 grams of protein, only 130 to 150 calories, only four or five grams of sugar in these Built Bars. It is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's the treat that you can feel good about reaching for and grabbing it. So go into your pantry, go to your desk at work, your briefcase, your glove box, all the secret places you stash all those treats that are bad for you that will wreck your diet and replace them with built bars. So you can feel good about those snacks that you reach for. And those snacks can work for you and give you the energy you need with all of that protein to finish your day, to power you through the back nine. If you're reaching for, you know, get that built bar instead of that hot dog at the turn the next time you go play golf and tell me how the back nine turns out for you. And of course, built bars, most built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate that really just drives it home. Makes you really feel good about eating that treat because it's not some brown colored fake chocolatey flavored stuff. It is 100% real chocolate that envelopes those built bars. And with our promo code, you can get 15% off. So go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. Thanks again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're talking to Dwayne McFarland of Pro Football Focus. 
and uh, I love the way you're you're uh, parsing out all of this data and and breaking things down in a way that is not just okay who's got the most stats, but who's proving to be the most valuable player in different uh, ma- master of the usage verse that just came to me. That's that's what it is, master of the usage verse. That's that's the term. Uh, that's what we got here with Dwayne McFarland. Um, really quick. So we talked. I, I want to finish the conversation about quarterbacks. We talked about Kyler Murray getting paid, and you like Kyler Murray. Are you chasing the 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 running ability with quarterbacks? Matt Williamson put Trey Lance in his top ten of fantasy quarterbacks this year in a Kyle Shanahan. Like Jalen Hurts at four. Jalen Hurts at four. Lamar yeah. Jackson. He loves all those guys. Kyler Murray's high for him. Are you as high on a, a lot of the r- running quarterbacks? Or are you just like the combination of where? Kyler Murray is in his career, his ability to hit the ball deep, hit the talent around him, and also that ability to run and make plays with his feet. Yeah, no, it's it's the dual threat quarterbacks. They should be at the top of your list. And when I look at Murray, the, the difference between Murray and some of the others, um, you know, I've got Murray ranked as my number two quarterback. Josh Allen's number one. I have them in the same tier together. Um, I Basically, my thought on Kyler Murray is if he had played a full season without being injured in the second half yet, no one would even have this question. Like this is, if you had to pick off of, you know, the list of every quarterback in the NFL right now, and you had to place a bet in Vegas, you get one pick of the quarterback that has the best shot at 5,000 yards passing and a thousand yards rushing. It's Kyler. Like Josh Allen's going to beat him in rushing touchdowns and he's still the QB one. But Kyler Murray is, is the guy that like, if you go back and look at, you know, his trajectory over those seasons, like he's the one that most reasonably we could say, okay, yeah, I could see Kyler Murray, you know, throwing for five, for 5,000 rushing for a thousand. Lamar Jackson's not going to throw for 5,000. Right. But he could, he's, he's the easiest, you know, to project rushing for a thousand. Um, like he can rush for a thousand yards in his sleep, you know, if he's healthy. Um, you look at a player like Jalen Hurts, similar. I think he's got, you know, a, maybe a little bit better rushing floor than Kyler Murray, but not quite, you know, the passing upside. Now adding AJ Brown is huge, but what I will say is Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts right now, like when you get to rounds five and six of your drafts and that's where they're going and all the uncertainty starts to set in at positions like, well, I could take Jerry Judy. I could take, you know, Juju Smith Schuster. I could take Elijah Mitchell for the 49ers. I could take this or that. Just freaking take Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts. <laughs> like they're huge difference makers. There's really not a question around them, and they can still win your league. You know, and every year's a little different. You don't you don't always have to do that every year. But I'm also with you on Lance. I have Lance only one spot below you. I have him at 11. But the way I look at Lance is a player that you're getting. You know, depending on where you're drafting, you know, if you're drafting in like some of these really sharp leagues, he's going to go in like around eight, nine or 10. If you're drafting over on ESPN, you're drafting like in a Yahoo, like home league type, you know, scenario. You know, this is a player that you can get in round 10 or 11. The way I look at him is Trey Lance. You could basically be drafting Lamar Jackson like five rounds later which means in the fifth round, you just got to take another player that wasn't a quarterback. And then if you come back and you hit on Trey Lance on top of that, that can be really huge. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about the running quarterbacks. And just even thinking back to Kyle Shanahan with his dad, Mike, when they had RG3 that first year, Robert Griffin. Like think back to how good Robert Griffin was then. The, the big question with Lance is how good of a passer can he be? But at the end of the day, if, as long as he's the starter, it won't matter. Like for, for goodness sake, like we've seen Tim Tebow be a top five fantasy quarterback, right? If you can <laughs> run, like, like well that's, him. Yeah. yeah, that's how big of a cheat code it is. But, but Lance, look at the weapons. I mean, you got Ayuk, you've got Kittle, you got Debo. I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard to argue against Lance. Like if, if the, he's got to prove that he can do it, but like everything is there for him to just completely explode. I do worry a little bit. Sorry to interrupt, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do worry a little bit about Lance's his 
volume. And that would worry me a little bit because they're going to be run heavy, but that part of the run heavy will be him as well. So it might just be a sliding scale of, okay, there's going to be this much, uh, this many, um, th- this many plays that he's involved with either throwing or running, and it's just gonna be fewer throwing more running. And so maybe that's just, it works itself out anyway, but that's the only thing that worries me about Trey Lance is the volume. But I have another follow-up question with that because there's a guy who's got just as good of an arm as Trey Lance, maybe more accurate. That's even faster in uh in chicago so is that somebody you're targeting in justin fields for your qb2 in a lot of these leagues because i know his situation isn't great he doesn't have a lot of weapons around him but man just the the raw talent it seems like you would want to bet on that very late in your drafts for a qb2 that could potentially be that qb1 value and at least give you jalen hurts from you know last year yeah i i love fields as well in fact like i just wrote a quarter an article on how to draft your quarterbacks earlier this week and I talked about the fact that like, okay, here are the, the bottom, you know, here's the bottom of the tiers where you want to at least have your starter from. But if you miss and it's like, you know, you get the Kirk Cousins, the Derek Cars, like just something steady. But the idea being immediately turn around and pair them with fields or if you miss grab fields. So in those scenarios, I will draft two quarterbacks. Most fantasy teams, unless it's best ball, I just draft one. Um, and I kind of let everything work itself out. You know, from there, I work the waiver wire. I want to maximize all these other positions that I'm drafting. Um, but looking at, you know, uh, fields, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you just look at last year at the last four games he was healthy in, he finished as the QB3, the QB9, the QB8, and the QB10. And now he should be getting a scheme upgrade. Um, it just, we, I think we can all agree, like Matt Nagy, it just didn't really work, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what he was trying to do with Fields was really more like what you would do with Andy Dalton, all these hook routes and stuff, instead of really trying to maximize his legs in the run game, using more play action, you know, getting, getting players vertical and running across the field, right? Let him drop back and let him see it happening. Don't make him run all this timing stuff. Just really mold the offense, you know, in a way that's going to make him productive. And I think that's what we're going to get, you know, with the scheme change change you know coming over um you know in chicago so i'm excited about fields he doesn't have the weapons right that trey lance has lance has three players you know i mean kittle is arguably the best tight end in the league Debo's a top three top five receiver in the league so fields doesn't have the weapons um and then iuk iuk's probably a better receiver than anything fields has you know although darnell darnell mooney has you know he's pretty solid um so yeah i'm with you though i think you know that's a good one brian on on fields i love it People lost their mind when I had Fields over Aaron Rodgers. And that leads me to my next point is detaching fantasy from NFL reality can be difficult for me. There's no doubt. But I think a lot of our listeners have that problem, too. And there's two running backs that I'm lumping together this year, Leonard Fournette and James Conner. And it comes down to what you preach, usage. You know, like I look at Leonard Fournette and think, you know, both these guys came in the same year. They both had injuries. They've both been up and down through their career. Fournette now is supposedly fat. James Conner has awful durability issues. You know, like uh, they're hard to trust on the exterior. But you've really taught me none of that matters because they're going to be on the field for every situation. Yeah, so with Fournette and Connor, I I love that you put them together. Um, I think that's exactly the way they profile. Um, you can get James Connor later in drafts by about a round, um, so that's nice. Little concern about you know Lenny's weight, you know, being a player oh, that sure. kind of struggle with some things. But to your point, um, you know, he really and here's the thing with Fournette: like people don't realize how good of a receiver he is. I didn't until I really started doing my research this off season. But like if you look at the list of players that in their first five years. Uh, demanded 20%, you know, you know, targets on on the routes they ran. So targets per route run is what we call it, or you can call it target rate. 
people call it different things, but basically just like when you're on the field, like how often are you being targeted? And he's done it every year. He's been over 25, over 20% in his first five years. And if I were to read you the list, I won't read them all right now, but they're basically all receiving backs, you know, <laughs> and this guy's got a plus a dot. So he's not, you know, it's average depth of target. So he's not just a swing pass guy. He's not CMC. He's not Camara. He's not, you know, uh, Deandre Swift, even he's not, you know, uh, Austin Eckler, but he's somewhere in between. Like he's better, you know, than a lot of people really give him credit for. I mean, they wanted Gio Bernard to really be their passing down back last year. And there were some different injuries and things, but Fournette basically took it over. Um, Rashad White, the rookie, could challenge for some of those passing downs, but you know, he's gonna have to earn the the trust, right, of Tom Brady. But the big thing is like Fournette and Connor, like if you look at their talent profiles, they're basically replacement level. Like they're yeah, really they're just not guys. Yeah. They're just got yeah, they have enough they're draft. Like that, Fournette right. is at least a first round pick. They've got money. Both of them have money now. So these are the type of players I avoid if they're on a bad offense, right? But if they're on a really good offense, then that brings the upside back into the equation. I mean, if you look at Leonard Fournette last year, he averaged 18.3 points per game in PPR. Um, I mean, so that's way up there. Um, and he gets to play with Tom Brady and he gets to play with the Bucs. I mean, he has a chance to score 15 touchdowns. And then James Conner really has the same thing. I mean, if you go and look at the games where you didn't have Chase Evans to deal with, like, you know, James Conner, if you drafted James Conner in round nine or 10 last year, and at the end of the year, you were in it in your fantasy league and you got to go into the playoffs with James Conner, like you probably won your league. I mean, he finishes the RB1, RB18, RB7, RB12, RB2, and RB1 in six contests where he had at least 75% of the snaps, which he's pretty much going to do probably every game this year. Daryl Williams is just a dude. All right. I got so many questions now. The more you speak, the more questions I have about <laughs> prospects in 2022. But we've got to get out of here uh, after this next segment here. Uh, some specific names to ask you about. We haven't really talked much about wide receivers yet with Dwayne McFarland of PFF. How about our friends at Bet Online, though? Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Tons of NFL futures going on right now already at bet online uh and in fact there's a, a ton of new defensive odds and, and props for different player props for the season and we're talking you know sacks how many sacks will nick boza have how many sacks is is tj watt gonna break the record this year um tons of opening lines for sacks and interceptions sacks for aaron donald set at 12 and a half right now rookie aiden hutchinson over under seven Sacks. Uh, you can find all of those odds at Bet Online right now. But Bet Online's not just for wagering. Tons of news and scores as well. Find reviews and news on every league, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Two leagues of golf now to wager on. Live in-game betting, scores, news, and more. They have you covered. So get over to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at Bet Online where the game starts. What are your thoughts on the, the Jacksonville Jaguars backfield? And I feel like there's an opportunity there with a, a player that has pedigree, crazy athleticism. They utilized him after drafting him in the first round, uh, which unnecessarily, which I hated the draft pick from a football perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, Travis Etienne has all kinds of speed, all kinds of athleticism, and they even trained him up as a receiver a little bit. So you, you could kind of dream about what the usage could be for a player like that with a new, better head coach this year and a quarterback in the coming into the second year. Now, James Robinson's there, and we don't know injury-wise with both of those players where exactly they're going to be, but I'm targeting Travis Etienne a lot in my leagues. Am I correct for doing so? Yeah, um, so in my running back 
draft strategy article, you know, I have certain players that I call centerpiece players. And right now, and it's, it's based on their talent and everything, but it's also based just on where you can get them in drafts. You know, what's their average draft position and ETN like is just immediately pops to the top. Um, number one, like he has the archetype we want. You just mentioned it. So it's, he's an explosive playmaker who's very active in the, in the receiving game. In fact, like when he was at Clemson, he led all collegiate backs and PFF receiving grade as senior season with a 90.9. So he is a really good receiver out of the backfield. He's not as a, he's not a vertical guy like what we've seen with CMC and some of these guys, but that's what you were just mentioning. They've been working with him on some of those things at Clemson. You know, there's a lot of motion, a lot of different things designed to get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage and then just let him go do his thing with it. Um, so he's still got a step to take, but you can get him in the fourth or fifth round of your draft. If you're drafting on Yahoo and ESPN, if you're drafting in sharper leagues, um, like, you know, in high stakes kind of stuff right now, he's already a third round pick, but even there, I think you're drafting Travis Etienne at his floor. I think basically you're getting this year's DeAndre Swift and you're getting him in the third round. If for some reason, James Robinson with the Achilles, which happened late in the year, it typically takes at least 11 months for an NFL player to come back from that. If he for some reason can't play, you potentially have a top six back. Um, but but he just he hits all the things you want, right? Jacksonville is going to trail a lot. If you get to pick one thing on that team you want, you want the back that's going to be on the field whenever they're in passing downs. Um, so that's one thing I look at a lot. Like who's going to be who's going to be on the field in passing downs on teams that are that are you know projected to win you know six or less games in an NFL season, and that's easily ETN. So I have the utmost respect for Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and the targets they're going to get and their usage in their offense. I understand all that. I think my most controversial ranking, though, is I have Kyle Pitts as the number one tight end. And much of that is based off of film film evaluation. I think he's the freakiest pass catcher on the planet right now. And just because he didn't find the end zone that often last year, I'm not going to hold that against him. Am I nuts? I mean, to put him at one in the tight end ranks? Well, I don't think it's I don't think it's nuts. It's going to happen. Like so, with Kyle Pitts, it's not a matter of if; it's just when. When right. is he going right. to be the tight end one overall? So, he posted an eighty-one point six PFF receiving grade in his first season. I already told you for pass catchers, if you get an eighty or above, it's really big. Hmm. So that's the fourth best rookie mark since two thousand eleven. You have to have a minimum of two hundred routes. So the names he was behind: Jordan Reed, Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz. Um, but if you look at you know just his ability, you know to work downfield, like you mentioned, you know he can do everything. You know his run after the catch. It would be awesome if Atlanta would line him up inside more. Like they make him go outside yeah, yeah. and play against all these top cornerbacks. Like, dude, right. come on, <laughs> right? Come on, guys. Like the mismatch is inside. Linebackers can't cover this guy. Why make him go up against you know cornerbacks? Safeties cannot cover Kyle Pitt. So. No, I don't think it's crazy. Um, you know, I've got Kelsey and Andrews above him, but I have Pitts right there um, as my third tight end, and I've got them all ranked very closely together. Um, and look, Mariota has—he's not a great quarterback, right? So we we want to look at the whole picture. But he's serviceable. Really what you want to avoid are the terrible quarterbacks. You don't want Drew Locke. You don't want Geno Smith being your quarterback. But like Marcus Mariota has actually been okay. Um, actually, if you look at him, like he supported three top five finishers for Delaney Walker already. In hmm. his career. So, yeah. yeah. So with Kyle Pitts, yeah, I love it. Um, and people have been kind of souring on him. I don't know what it is, but I've noticed lately in drafts on underdog, like he'll, you know, used to go like at the end of the third. He probably still does overall, but like in several, in like my last 10 drafts, like I feel like I've drafted him six or seven times just because people are just like, I don't want him. He's fallen into the fourth round. And I'm like, yes, oh, wow. yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah. I-, I love that nugget about Delaney Walker and Matt. No. 
I'm not selling Kyle Pitts in our locked on dynasty. <laughs> I'll get him. him. You just said you went through 10 drafts. How many drafts have you done this season so far, Dwayne? Uh, best ball, I'm about 70 drafts in. Wow. Nice. You'd be about 100 when it's all said and done, or are we going way over? Yeah, because as we get you know closer to the season, I'll switch more to redraft. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually, I might do a, I might do a, an FFPC football guys players championship right after we get off here. We'll see if, see how my wife feels about that, but <laughs> I'm going to at least ask. Um, and that's man, I just love getting to do what I do, but I feel like I'm, I believe like having skin in the game is important for fantasy, right? I think having our player takes and things are all really important, but being able to, you know, get in a draft and have conviction around the guys you're taking them, where you're taking them, you know, what does that look like versus what everyone else is trying to do? It like just kind of cements everything for me and gets me into a spot where I'm like, you know, I feel really good about what I'm recommending to people because I've actually tested it out, you know, in all these drafts. So as master of the usage verse, uh, there's two receivers <laughs> I need to bring up. You know, they already have good resumes, especially CD Lamb, but also uh, Gabriel Davis in Buffalo in that they're never going to leave the field. You know, I've just heard you on podcasts talking about it. Like Lamb's not fighting Gallup and Cooper for touches or, you know, a percentage, a target share of the, of the, the Cowboys passing attack. And even, even with uh, Davis being number two, there's nobody in his way now. He's never going to leave the field. Like they almost can't help, but go up in fantasy production. Yeah. So uh, it's a great point. So with Lamb, number one, like he checks every box across this profile we're looking for. So okay. like um, if you guys go check, if you, if you get a chance to check it out, you can go see it. But Lamb lights the whole thing up, you know, and you can get him, you know, he goes at the end of the second round, like on ESPN and Yahoo, sharper drafts. He'll go in the middle of the second, sometimes the early second. He's worth any of those picks. CD Lamb, you want to get him, you know, it, it, any chance you can, especially in the second round, you want to be all over it this year. You want to be ahead of the market on him. Um, like this is a player that, you know, he's got, he's got number one overall upside. Like I've got Justin Jefferson, one Cooper cup two, Jamar chase, three Stefan Diggs four, but I've got lamb five. And so I'm really high on him this year. Um, and I think he just checks every box from a talent perspective opportunities, got the right quarterback, all the things you mentioned. And then if we talk about Gabriel Davis, it's definitely a little bit different. Right. Um, but you're talking about getting to be on the field all the time. And and the other part with lamb is even if he doesn't take a huge step forward, as far as, you know, how much he demands targets, you know, per route, like just getting to be on the field for 95% of the routes. Cause typically he's been more like 75% because the Cowboys just would rotate everyone. And yeah. so now he's going to get a 20% bump in the number of routes he's going to run. So even if he doesn't get a lot better as a player, like, that alone is going to increase his targets. And then that ties into the Gabriel Davis conversation because Gabriel Davis last year, once he took over, you know, and truly was the starting out, you know, the starting receiver, because it really had been Emmanuel Sanders. And I know that's something that people hold against him. And I, I totally get it. You know, Gabriel Davis, like when you just look at his talent profile, like it is, it, it it's questionable. Like, you know, I don't comps, love him as a player, but I just love yeah. his situation. Right. Yeah, his comps, you know, uh, in my process are Darius Slayton, James Washington, Devin Funches, Torrey Smith, Reuben Randall, Jermaine Curse. Like, so it's 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 not great, and that's using you know the underlying metrics we talked about before just for talent. But then when you look at what he did last year, once they really gave him you know the full time job, you know, he had three games out of six where he was over fifteen fantasy points, and if he's just out there for eighty five percent of the routes, even if he doesn't get better, because Buffalo is so pass heavy in every game situation, the Bills pass the ball more than the league average, leading, close, trailing, doesn't matter. They throw the football. And so they didn't really do anything else, you know, to address it. So for me, Davis, he's kind of tricky 
because the profile says he still could bust. But at the end of the day, like there's enough upside with the Bills offense and with Josh Allen that where he's going, especially like on ESPN and Yahoo leagues where he's going in like the sixth round, if you get over in some of these like underdog drafts where he's going in, you know, the early fourth round, that's kind of like the line for me. I'm like, okay, I don't have to have Gabriel Davis anymore. But if you're going to let me have him in the sixth round, I think that balances out. And that's where most people that are listening to this podcast, when you draft, Gabriel Davis is going to go in the sixth round. Any other wide receivers that are hitting multiple places of, of what you're looking for in a, in a player, maybe not even to CD Lamb's level, but middle rounds, maybe even late rounds, you know, a steal, someone that, that nobody's really looking at that, that hits a lot of the things you're looking for and uh, nobody's really recognizing it. Yeah, T. Higgins is another one. Um, you know, T. Higgins is, you know, he hits all the marks you want. Yes, he has Jamar Chase on the team, which is going to cap it. You know, typically if you look back, you know, historically over time, there's not that many teams where you have two guys getting to 25% of the targets, but I think this could be one of those exceptions where you could see both of them get there. They're both really talented players. And if you look at the Bengals, we've got an ascending quarterback with Joe Burrow over the second half of the year last year. They once, you know, as he began to heal really from his, you know, gruesome knee injury that he suffered in his rookie year, they started to open things up for him and they became a much more pass heavy team in through the playoffs. And I think that's the version of the Bengals offense we're going to get this year. So even if Higgins has got a share with chase, in this situation, like he's still checking all the boxes that we want. You can typically get him in the third round of your fantasy draft. So he's not he's not hyper cheap. Most of the other guys, they've got some sort of flaw. So for example, Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, they're they're top six, seven, eight receivers in the league. Like, like they light this thing up like a Christmas tree. But then you get a go, you get over to their projected dropbacks per game for their team. So the amount of time the team's gonna pass. And then you look at, oh, well, Debo Samuel's got a deal you know, with Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. And we don't, we have questions right now around Trey Lance, like his talent profile still pops like in this really huge way, but we've got questions in the other areas. Tyreek Hill, same way. What's, what's Tua going to do? You got to deal with Jalen Waddle. They could run the ball more. AJ Brown. What are the Eagles going to be? The team that threw the ball 70% of the time over the first four games last year, or the team that started winning games when they decided to run the ball a lot more and they want to just hit more efficient, big plays down the field. If that's the case, it's going to be tough for AJ Brown, despite all of his talent you know, to hit value if you got to share with Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith, who was a really good rookie as well. But the talent is so good. It's just, you know, once you get to A.J. Brown in the third round, it's like, how do you pass him? Like, yeah, he's too good a player. Yeah, yeah he's just too good of a player. D.K. So, Metcalf, too. It's like, I know nobody oh, loves G- uh, Geno Smith, but he's to the point where I just have to take him anytime D.K. Metcalf is, you know, is at the top of my, uh, at the top of my draft board. It's kind of insane how late he's going with his talent. Yeah, and Metcalf is like a, a great example of like the perfect bad storm. Um, <laughs> he, his talent is just like what you said. Like it's up there with you know. If think if DK Metcalf played with Tom Brady, sure, we would draft him number one. <laughs> he would be the number yeah, one right. wide receiver off the board. Yeah. Like or he'd be in the top three for sure, right? Or throw him in Green um, Bay, you know, right? Or yeah. Oh God, yeah. like any of those situations, right? He would just be off the charts. It's really hard to hold a talent like DK Metcalf down but hat tip to seattle because they managed to do it because <laughs> they don't throw the ball enough they don't run enough plays they're I not they don't creative. run any plays that's what makes me they, crazy about that yeah, right. they ran this is a great stat i love dropping the bills ran two full games worth more of plays last year than seattle 
than Seattle if you do it by the if you look at the NFL average versus you know what Seattle did versus yeah. what Buffalo did. So for your fantasy team, you essentially got two more games out of your Bills players than you did Seahawks players. Like that's insane. That like matters. that's really hard yeah. to do. Yeah. And you've got a coach that wants to stick with that. So I'm lo- Metcalf is one of the few super elite talented players that I'm lower than the market on. But it's just like man, he needs a quarterback trade. So if Garoppolo went there, that that would immediately he just needs someone serviceable. Mm-hmm. Or if he got traded. That's where that's right now, you if you're want, taking yeah. Metcalf, right. if you're taking Metcalf and you're getting him where you are, like what you're talking about, Brian, like you're getting him in like the fifth, fourth round. You know, sometimes I've seen him slide into the sixth, and all of a sudden, if he got traded like to a team with a good quarterback, oh my God, you'd be feeling so great. You'd be like doing the back pat. You're like, yeah, DK's a first round pick now. And I got him <laughs> in the fifth or sixth round. Poor guy. Uh, really quick, big picture, Dwayne, before we let you go, and uh, we appreciate you jumping on with us today. Um, uh, you have an article at PFF about just you know draft strategy, and um, I am wondering if because I you know zero running backs been a thing for a long time now, and has it swung back the other way where there's so few top tier running backs that are getting that utilization that are that are seeing the field all the time that are that are you know premier players with all the pedigree to go with it the jonathan taylors and you know and even when you get to the second pick in your draft you know there's like christian mccaffrey and um and and derrick henry there's injuries there and there's there's kind of something with everybody does that make you want to draft running backs earlier because there's so few of them or does it make you want to avoid the position entirely early yeah it's a great conversation my thought is you know, every draft is a little different. So you want to be adaptable and really every year is different. Uh, It stacks out to how do all these factors we're looking at. And then how do these players start to stack out against ADP? And that's really the purpose of the strategy articles that you're talking about. So I walk you through the plan at quarterback running back receiver will come out tomorrow. Tight end will come out early next week, but it's all about looking about which positions can you get the most value maybe in the middle or later rounds. And then that helps you determine, okay, what does that mean for my early rounds? How should I potentially think about, you know, approaching the early rounds if I think I can get more value at running back in the later rounds or more value at receiver? And so what I would say is really it just depends. Everything can be a little bit different. It also does depend on like, you know, your league, like how many receivers do you have to start? How many running backs? How many flex positions? Those things, because supply and demand is still always going to be a major driver to the way you need to think about it. But at the end of the day, running backs, whether you're talking PPR, half, you know, PPR, whether you're talking standard, the top three finishers, you know, in PPR over the last 10 years, 61% of them have been, have been running backs. So they still give you the biggest ceiling. They're more likely to get hurt. But if you can hit on them, it's huge. Um, if you look in half point PPR, that goes to 79% of the top three finishers have been running backs. If you go down to standard, it gets even more like 90% of the top three finishers since 2011 have been running backs. So if you're trying to win your fantasy league and you're trying to swing big at pick two, you're taking Christian McCaffrey, not Cooper Cup. I mean, Christian McCaffrey just has too much ceiling and he's one of the few players that even if you take him in the first three picks, if you hit and you're right, like it could win your league. You normally can't say that about someone you take in the first round, but he's just so freakish because of what he can do in the passing game. So this year, though, I do think there's an opportunity. You tip. I don't typically like last year. I didn't go running back, running back, running back hardly ever ever the year before I didn't but this year the archetype we talked about is lining up so in the first round you could take Christian McCaffrey you could come back in the second round and you could get someone like Javonta Williams where you could take that upside or you know if you want to go with a four net like what you talked about earlier Matt you could do it the guy that I've taken a ton is Saquon 
This is a guy that's not even 26 years old yet. We know he has an every down skill set. He was hurt last year. So, of course, you know, he was sapped and then he hurt his ankle, you know, after the snap, tripped over Jordan Lewis, you know, for the Cowboys, the corner after the after the whistle. Just crazy, you know, unfortunate luck, you know, for Barkley. But he has RB1 overall upside because he catches passes. He's out there on all the downs. They've got an upgrade, an offensive coordinator. And then you could come back in the third round. And you just be like, screw it. I'm just going to take Travis Etienne. Or you could get Javante Williams in that round. I mean, heck, Alvin Kamara's falling down boards if you just want to be risky. I've been in drafts yeah. where I've gotten yeah. him in the fourth round. So if you can get that archetype where you know they're going to be on the field in the passing downs, you know they're still an explosive player, I'm willing on those drafts to go three backs first. Um, you know, and, and then if you two can, of them hit, you, you're happy. But if three, the, the key three is hit, you if, win. if three hit and you're flexing a running yeah. back that's in the top five, so like, 2017 over at the FFPC, um, man, I was all I was real huge into Gurley that year. Um, and it's an archetype thing, not just a player thing. And I was getting him at the end of the second round. And so in those drafts, I would start with Le'Veon Bell. Then I would come back with Gurley. And my third round pick was quite often Kareem Hunt. Like in those leagues, you didn't even need to look at my receiver. I just won those leagues. <laughs> like, it didn't <laughs> right. matter. Like I finished second in the tournament that year. Like, first place was 250 grand. Second was 30K. Um, you know, and I, I, I lost by like half a point to first place. But Ow. yeah, if you can hit on your flex spot with a huge running back, and that's the other thing I love about ETN. The same guy year. in every week. And, you know, right. You know. Oh, dude, it's just so huge because right. what I talked about, like if you, the top three outcomes, you know, the top five outcomes, even once you get to half PPR, are typically going to go to the running backs. And so if you manage to hit and have those players, you have three of the five, like it's just going to be really, really freaking hard to beat you, even if you miss on a lot of your other picks. I mean, even if you have three of the top 15 running backs, you're probably going to win the league. Yes. Yep. That is Dwayne McFarland. Find him on Twitter at Dwayne McFarland. Find all of his work at Pro Football Focus. Dwayne, it was a pleasure chatting with the master of the usage verse today. Thanks so much <laughs> for jumping on with uh, Peacock and Williamson. I appreciate you guys. I got I got a got a new name now, so uh, I like feel it. Feel free to use it. I'll, <laughs> I'll mention it to Silva and some of those guys. They can spread it around. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yours. Uh, thanks everybody for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. Back next week right here, Peacock and Williamson.